you are new, welcome. We kicked off a new series last week called Not Feeling It. And basically what we're talking through is breaking down this concept of like, what do you do when you're just not feeling it? Like there are seasons in our lives, whether you've experienced it or you will experience, where we're just like, man, I've been with God, I've had this mountaintop experience with God, like we are like this. And then there may be other times in your life where you're like, I don't even know if God knows my name. I don't even know if like he even knows my address anymore. Like we just aren't there. Like I just don't feel it. I'm not feeling like him in my life. I don't know whether he's working or he's not. And so Caleb kicked us off last week talking through emotions and looking at how our emotions, we can't trust them, right? Because scripture tells us that the heart is evil and wicked. Who can know it? And so our emotions are like roller coasters. They go up and down and they constantly change. And so when we're not feeling it, we can't always trust the emotions that are attached to that feeling. But instead, we need to look at the facts, right? And so that's what we looked at in scripture, looking at what is true. And so we're gonna continue as we kick off week two, really looking at the, the ground, like, kind of like the building blocks of, of who Christ is, and that's, it all starts with faith. Like without faith, we'd have really nothing to go off of. And so I just want you guys to realize that when we've actually put our faith in Christ, we have the confidence to know that when we aren't feeling it, we know that he is still at work. But Christianity is not the only thing that requires faith. I don't know if you guys have ever thought of it like this before, but you guys all applied faith when you walked in this room tonight. Did y'all ever think, realize that? You see, when you came in, I was watching. No one, no one walked in and looked at their seat and like, oh, I wonder if that's gonna actually like hold me up. Like, I, I know, no joke. I think everyone just came in and assumed that the, the seat was gonna like do what it's supposed to do. Like, that's faith. You put your faith down just saying, like, this seat is actually going to hold me. No one looked to make sure that there's only, like, there's four legs. No one looked to see that there's three or anything like that. Like, you had faith that this chair is going to do what it was supposed to do. We also apply faith in a lot of different areas of our life. We apply it with gravity. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this before, but, like, if we actually didn't trust that gravity would actually hold us down, then we would float away like helium balloons. Did you ever realize that? If you, were to, if you lived your life in fear that if you were to jump, and the gravity just happened to not work that day, you'd be toast, like, you would be gone. So like, we put our faith in certain things that we just know are gonna be there for us. And the same is true with our relationships, guys. I bet you have faith with your parents thinking like, hey, they love me. I don't know why they love me, but they love me. Like they gave birth to me, they parent me. But yeah, I bet you have faith that they have unconditional love for you. You have faith in your relationships and then you, you have faith that your friends won't cheat on you, won't lie to you, won't steal from you. Like you have faith that like, they're going to be a friend. Like we use faith in a lot of different ways, guys. And so as we talk about this concept of not feeling it, what does faith have to do with it, right? And so I just want you guys to realize that when we truly put our faith in Jesus, then we have confidence in knowing that he's in control even when we can't see what may be ahead. Like we may not see what's next. And so if you've got your Bibles, open up to John chapter 6. And if you're not, we're going to be on the screen. But here's some context. See, Jesus has been making moves all like, throughout the first five chapters. I mean, he's literally, he picked his 12 disciples and he's like, got all that squared away. He's turned water into wine. He's healed a lame person. He's healed a blind person. He's fed more than 5,000 people with fish and bread. What else has he done? He like, on the Sea of Galilee, he was with the disciples and it was like, they all literally thought they were going to die and Jesus is asleep on the boat. And he calms the storm. He brings peace to the, the, the seas. So Jesus is like performing a bunch of different miracles and it's getting people's attention. The crowds are starting to follow Jesus because he's gotten, he has an influence. These people are like, who is this dude? What does he do? How does he, he is not like me. Like he is doing stuff that I have not seen before. So that's the first like five, beginning of six chapters in the book of John. And so Jesus has got a following. He's got people that are walking with him, watching what he's doing. 
And then where we're picking up is going to be in verse 60. But right before we get to verse 60, Jesus just said some stuff that's like super controversial. He said some stuff that like people are saying, I don't know about that. He's saying stuff that they aren't comfortable with. And what Jesus is saying, he says, I'm the Messiah. He said, I am the bread of life. And if you want to experience life and eternity, then you need me. You need to believe in me. And that's it. So let's read it for ourselves. And we're going to talk more about what do we do when we're in the season of like, I'm not feeling it. So verse 60 starts like this way. It starts with this. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was, which he's talking about heaven? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. And so after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life, and we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Okay, I know those nine verses, this sounds like a lot, but here's what it basically is meaning. Jesus is saying, he's like, I'm the answer. That's it. Jesus is the answer. And as the people in the audience are hearing Jesus say this, they're like, whoa, 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 I I don't know about that. I I don't know that I'm feeling that. You see, they're seeing Jesus do all these miracles, but when Jesus starts saying, hey, this isn't, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here because I'm the Messiah. They're like, whoa. Like, I was all on board to follow you because you were entertaining me, but now that you say that you're God, it's a big statement. I don't know that I'm in on that. This might be more than I bargained for with that belief. So that is what Jesus is saying here. And I think this is a pretty powerful word picture because Because what we see here is that people look at Jesus and look at this statement and they leave. They're like, I'm out. I'm not buying into that. And I think sometimes, guys, we can be in a similar situation. Because honestly, I don't know about you, but we love being entertained. Raise your hand if you like being entertained. Like literally all of us, we live to be entertained day after day, right? So like, no joke, I could put on a YouTube video of someone failing at their job and we could laugh for the next 30 minutes because it's funny. Like, and then you'd go home and tell your parents, like, mom, you have to see this video because it was entertaining. And guys, I think that if we're gonna be honest with ourselves and our love for entertainment, we do the same things with the church. There may be many of you who come to church because it's fun. Like, you like the games that we play, you like the, you like the music that we sing, or you like the time you get to hang out with your friends upstairs and in small groups. But then when we actually get to the message time and start talking about who Jesus is, you're like, I'm out, I'm bored. And you get on your phones and you start texting your friends and you start looking at other things to entertain you other than the actual word of God. And so when you learn who Jesus is, you're like, ooh, I, I don't know that I'm feeling that. And you check out. And so just like this, I think that we're in a similar place to this audience here because these people are intrigued. These people have been seeing Jesus do miracles. They've, they've heard about who he is and what he's doing and they're like, what's all this about? And so they're following Jesus. And they're following and they're seeing him do all these things. But when he says, hey, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here because I'm the Messiah. They turn and they leave. And guys, I want you guys to realize this is a really important thing to see because 
Jesus isn't here just to perform miracles to entertain us. He didn't give us the Bible just to entertain us, to make us feel better about ourselves, to know that we like, yeah, we have a God who we can trust because he's entertaining. No, that's what Hollywood's for. Like, God is so much more than your next celebrity. And so that's how we know when we're not feeling it, we need to go back to the source to know what's true and what's right and know who Jesus is and, what he's, and he is who he says he is. Because Jesus is performing all these miracles to let people know that he is changing lives for the sake of expanding the kingdom of heaven for eternity. And so that is the, the quintessential part of understanding why Jesus tells us who he is in this passage. Because he doesn't want people to look at, to get a kick out of life or just to, be, to go to him for entertainment. He doesn't want people to come to him just to treat him like a circus monkey. He doesn't want people to come to him for cool party tricks. Like, that's not Jesus. And so it's, it's essential that we understand why Jesus tells people he is the Messiah. He says, he makes it clear, he goes, I know many of you are following me. Many of you are here and you're in church and you're like following what people are doing. But you don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm about. And so you need to know me because I'm not here to entertain you. So let me tell you who I am. I am the Messiah. I am the bread of life. And if you want eternal life, then the only way for you to experience that is through Jesus himself. So John 14, 6 says, it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except through him. And so it's kind of like a mic drop moment for, for, for the people, the audience around Jesus. Because Jesus is saying like, hey, I'm not just your circus monkey. Like, I am God. I am the Messiah. And you need to either like, choose to follow me because you believe who I, I am, who I say I am, or you will leave because you reject me. There's no like, eh, but you're still really fun to watch. Ooh, you're still like turning water into wine. Like, that's fun. Like, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's like, you will believe in me or you will reject me. And so what we see happen here is that people leave. Like, the audience, the crowd flees. And then Jesus then turns to his 12 disciples. He's like, what are y'all doing here? Like, are you sure that you, like, you're still here? And Peter's response is, is super, super, like, essential to understand who Jesus is. And this is what he says. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's a huge statement. And it's big because once you've experienced God personally, then you know the life change that he gives you. You know the peace that he gives you. You know the truth that, that he is still at work in your life when you don't feel him. And I want you guys to all like, know that because there are many times, especially as middle schoolers and high schoolers, where you guys don't feel God. Like personally, I am not a feeler. I'm not an emotional person. I, am, like, I, I just never have been. And so the feeling aspect is not a big part of my life. And so if I tie my relationship to Jesus because of the way I feel, I mean, I'm in trouble. And I think you guys are too. And that's why we need to tie, our, our, the, tie ourselves, our faith, to the source of truth, which is who Jesus is. And so we can trust in him even when we don't feel him. And that is why Peter's statement is so crazy and so like essential. Because knowing God personally changes everything. So I want you guys to think about it this way. Not only when we don't feel like it, like when we don't feel like it, sometimes it feels like you get, you get clouds around you, like you're barely surviving, that you're in like an ocean, you feel like you're drowning, you're just trying to put your hand up to like be rescued. Like sometimes our lives can be so hectic, so confusing, that we just don't know what to do, and we're like, God, do you forget about me? God, where are you? Like I know I trust you, but I, I'm having a hard time seeing you right now, right? I know I've been there. I've been there more times than, than one, I can promise you that. 
But there is an answer, and I want to tell you a quick story as an illustration for that. So Florence Chadwick is the first woman, maybe y'all have heard her in history or social sciences or whatnot, but Florence Chadwick is the first woman to have ever swam across the, Eng- across the English Channel, 20 miles. It is a huge feat. Like, she has trained her whole life to be able to do this. Like, 20 miles is a, like, heck of a long, like, swim. I can't do one. So, like, she does 20, and she gets all sorts of fame because of her swim, but it wasn't enough. Like, shortly after her swim, She's like, I gotta do more, I gotta do more. And so she shortly, like shortly after, she made her way to the United States. She headed out to California to do a 21 mile swim from the Catalina Islands to the mainland part of California. But what's crazy about this is that it's not just the English Channel that she's swimming. She's swimming in the Pacific Ocean. And the currents are harder, it's a hard, even though it's just a mile difference, the currents make it a whole lot harder. The, the temperature in the water is a whole lot colder. You got sharks that she's having to deal with that she didn't have to deal with in the English Channel in the same way. Like, it is a far more dangerous feat to do what she's doing, and the media is all over it. And so, like, everyone, she's got boats behind her, like, following her along in her swim. And after 16 hours, she's dying. Not really dying, but, like, she is like, I don't know if I can do this. 16 hours. And the people on the boat are like, no, you've got this. You can do it. Like, you are so close. And she keeps pushing on for a little bit. Hour 17 comes, and she goes, I can't do it. Like she was so consumed with like just the hardship of what was ahead of her that she was like, I don't know that I can do it. And the, the people in the boat say, no, you're so close. You're so close. Keep going. And after the 17th hour, fog started. If you know anything about California, like it can be really, really moody weather. And so fog kind of like came across the entire like ocean right where it was. And she couldn't see in front of her. She could literally see just a few feet in front of her. So she could no longer see the mainland. So she got lost in the time and she got lost in what she was doing that she got so defeated by being totally beat that she kind of waved the white flag and said, I'm done. She gets back in the boat and everyone's like, oh my gosh, like you did so well, you did so well, but you didn't do it. You didn't do what you said you would do. She gets in the boat, she realized she was less than half a mile from the shore. Less than half a mile from the shore. And she finally gets back and reporters are everywhere. And she has a reporter come to her and she goes, Chadwick, what happened? And this is what she says. She goes, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the shore, I could have made it. Because she missed the vision. And I think we do the same things because there's so many times when we look at God and we say, I just don't feel him. I don't feel what he's doing in my life. I don't see him moving in me that we give up just like she did. And so we tell ourselves, man, if only I could see God, then I would believe in him. Man, if only he would answer this prayer, I would believe in him. Oh, what if he did this? If only he did this, then I would, I would love him and I would give him my faith and my life for the rest of my life and I would never doubt him again. Like we do that. But I know the reality for a lot of us is that we have storms in our lives where we can only see a few feet in front of us. And in those storms, we're like, God, where are you? God, I need you. And what God says and what the source of truth says is that, man, I'm right here. I didn't go anywhere. Like, I'm still God. And we know that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so we can't say, God, you forgot about me. You left me. I mean, he is right there with you. And yet we get so caught up in looking at the storms around us that sometimes we wave our white flag and say, we're done. I'm not feeling it. I didn't sign up for this. This is too hard. And let me like, yeah, reality check. Being a Christian is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life but it is the most rewarding and rewarding life-giving thing you will ever do yourself, or like in this life as well. Because I just know as you guys have faced your own battles, like there will be times where you just say, I don't feel it. I'll tell you myself, there have been times in this past year 
where I personally have said, I'm not feeling it. God, what are you doing with me? God, I don't know where you're moving. Like, now that my faith is any less than, God, I'm trusting that you are still Lord, that you are still good, that you still have a plan and purpose, but I'm struggling to see you right now. I am struggling to know that you are like moving in my life because I feel like I, I don't know where you're at. And my faith wasn't, it wasn't that my, like, I did away with my faith. It was simply just like, God, I need you. And guys, I just want you to know that in this past season of life, I mean, God's answered some big prayers. One of those prayers was Hannah, my fiance, no doubt. Because in this season of life where I have questioned and I have said, God, what are you doing with me? Like, I need an answer. And she came in my life and she gave me, she pointed me back to the truth. She pointed me back and said, hey, this is what God's doing in you. This is what God is using you for. And so sometimes I want you guys to know, sometimes when you're questioning where God's at in your life, you need people around you to remind you of what God's doing because we get lost in our own storms. We need support and that's what your small groups are for. That's why you have people around you to remind you of what God's doing because sometimes we get lost. Not that our faith lacks, but we just get caught up in just saying, God, what are you doing? And other people need to remind you of that. And Hannah was one of those people that did that for me. But also what I want you guys to know is that as this year has been one of the hardest years in my entire life, that I want you guys to know that as I get married and I'll be moving in the spring and whatnot, there's been other moments where I'm like, God, I need answers. I need big answers. I need big prayers answered. Because right now, like, when we move, we don't know where we're going to live. We have no clue where we're going to live because she's a doctor and we're going to be going to a hospital and that's that. And it's a scary, scary thing. And we're like, God, we're trusting you with our lives because right now we're homeless and we're, like, trying to figure it out. Like, it's hard. And not only that, it's like, how am I going to do, like... How am I gonna work? Where am I gonna go? What, how am I gonna provide? These are all questions that I'm asking God that God, I don't need answers for. Like I know I'm not, like I'm feeling, I'm trying to be obedient, I'm being faithful, but it's hard. And God has continued to open doors and open doors to remind me that he's still good, that he didn't forget about me, that he didn't leave me behind because he said I wasn't worth it. No, he says I've got a plan and purpose for you. Just wait, be patient. And so in this season of asking God for answers, he's given some, and he's told me to wait on others. But some of the ones that he's given me, guys, like, is one, something that's really, really hard for me to tell y'all. Because one of the answers is actually leading me away from River Oak. And so this will be the last time I speak to you guys. I'll be leaving at, like, River Oak by Thanksgiving. But I want you to know it is God's faithfulness that reminds me that he is in control. That it's not, yes, it's sad. Like, I love you guys more than anything. Like, the last two years with you guys have been an answer to prayer because I've seen God work in your lives. I've seen God use you guys to commit to, to introduce your friends and families to Christ's love. I've seen you all commit your lives to Christ. That has been a life transformation. I've seen that come alive and that is gonna continue. Like, God is writing a beautiful story for your lives. But it's because of the faith that we have and when we put our faith in Christ, we don't know what tomorrow will look like. We don't always know what tomorrow will bring. For some of you, that may mean that you guys will become doctors and lawyers and musicians and architects. And those jobs may take you around the world. For others, you may be, like, you may be in ministry. Others, you, you may be in missions and you may be in Vietnam 10 years from now. You don't know what God will, where God will take you. But when we put our faith in him, he gives us confidence to know that he is in control. And that's, I'm learning this lesson with you guys. 
as middle schoolers and high schoolers and as an adult, I am learning this with you guys that when we fully commit our lives to Christ, I mean, it is a, it is a ride that we can't always predict. So I want you guys to know this, that no matter what is going on in your life, man, we need to put our faith in Christ because he has an answer for us. And that's the, that's the story of, of the beautiful story regardless of the storm because storms will come. Like hard things will come in our lives and we're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? And just like they will for you, they do for me as well. And that's when we need to be on our hands and knees praying to God even more, saying, God, I will remain faithful. We need to be saying the words from Peter and saying, Lord, whom shall I go? Why would I leave? Like, you are the answer. You're the only person that I need. Because everyone else, everything else will fail us. Even when we don't feel him. Like, that needs to be our response because once again, our feelings and emotions will fail us. We need to know the source, and the source is, source is God himself. And so we're gonna go to small groups, and you guys are gonna talk about this, but I want you guys to know that this is a, an essential part of your lives when you commit your, your life to Christ. And God will take you places beyond your dreams. And yes, it'll be hard. Yes, it'll be sad. Yes, it'll be a ride that you can't predict. But it's a beautiful story that God's writing for you guys. I want you to know I'll miss you. And just because I'm not here doesn't mean I'm not available. Many of you have my phone number, and if you want my phone number, I can, I'll gladly give it to you. Because I'm here to help. I'm here to be an, an encourager and a voice of support for you. But ultimately, I, want, I don't want you guys to hear this as a Chris's goodbye story. Like, this really is a, a message of hope because God, has a, like God desires a faith that, that supersedes everything else that our world will throw at us. And that's the story of the gospel is that Jesus is the answer, even when we don't feel it. So I'm gonna pray for you guys we're gonna, and then we're gonna split I want you to get him praying for yourself. God, give me that kind of faith. Give me the faith like Peter to say, God, no, you are the answer. When I don't feel it, when the storms are coming, like you're it. Let that be your prayer. Father God, thank you for tonight. I thank you for these students. God, for the ways that they have taught me, the way that they have loved me and accepted me over the last two years. Um, God, you are writing an, an incredible story for each and every one of them. And I just pray your hand of protection over their lives, that you will lead them towards yourself, God, that they will commit their lives to you, that they will know you fully. God, we know the storms will come. We know that there will be seasons of life where we're like, God, where are you? What are you doing with me, God? And even in those times that we can look back to your word and say, God, you are good and you have a perfect plan for my life and I'm gonna trust that even when the rest of the world says I'm crazy. God, I pray that these students will look to you in those darkest and hardest seasons, as well as the seasons where life is grand and great. God, give them strength to get through tomorrow, this week for finishing out the school, the semester. God, I just thank you for what they mean to me and the way they've changed my life. So in your name we pray, amen.